Today we've come to worship the living God. The Bible tells us that God is timeless. God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of all things. And the promise and the hope of Scripture is that God's love for us will never end. God is always with us. God is for us. God is ruler over all the earth, and his blessings are great, and they are many to those who love and serve him. So let's gather now in God's spirit to give praise and thanksgiving to our eternal Lord. Pray with me, will you? God who was and is and is yet to be, fill our lives this day with overflowing joy. Open up our eyes fully to see your goodness and your love. Remind us that you are always forgiving and loving. Open our hearts that we might learn even more how to be compassionate and accepting of all people. Remind us too, dear God, through the life of Jesus Christ, that we are to be persons of courage. So empower us to live Christ-like lives today and every day, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Again, this is the last in this series on the Old Testament prophet Elijah. We've just really touched a little bit on the, this great prophet's life. And if you want to get into reading uh, more of that whole story, it's in First and Second Kings. But today, um, I just want to uh, uh, recap just briefly uh, uh, some of the story that led up to today's message, Leaving a Legacy. Over the last few weeks, we have looked at the Old Testament prophet Elijah's life through three distinct periods. Today, we come to the final chapter, and I want to look at the last couple of days, particularly in the life of this great man and his relationship with Elisha, the, his protege. And our story takes place um, uh, near the end of Elijah's life. I don't have uh, time to give you all the background to this story or bring you up to speed on all that's led up to this moment. You can read it for yourself, as I said, in the Old Testament books of First and Second Kings. But today we turn our attention to Second Kings chapter 2, the first few verses. Here's what it says. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Now, our key verse here is found in verse 9. When they came to the other side of the Jordan River, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Elisha's request for a double portion of the spirit of God uh, was on Elijah, his mentor. And so Elisha saw the presence of God in Elijah, and he wanted to be like him. Now, here's the point of this teaching. Every one of us will leave a legacy. 
And the key question I want to ask you to think about today is what kind of legacy will you have? What is the legacy that you will leave in the minds and in the hearts of those who know you and love you? That's really a question for all of us. If time permitted this morning, I'm sure we could list names of people in this congregation's history who have gone before us, who because of their vision, because of their sacrificial giving, because of their hard work and love for God, have made possible what we enjoy here today. You may or may not know the people, but trust me, they are people who have left us this legacy. Everybody has a legacy. What will your legacy be? We know as we study the scripture that Elijah had a fabulous legacy after the dramatic contest. We talked about this last week with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Uh, Elijah fled to Mount Sinai. He feared for his life because the king's wife, Jezebel, had a new all points bulletin out for, out for Elijah. And it was there on the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, where Elijah was hiding in a cave. And the Lord spoke to him again. The Bible says that God asked him to go and stand on top of the mountain. As he was standing there, the Lord passed by. First in a great windstorm, and then in an earthquake, and then in fire. But God did not speak to Elijah in any of those dramatic manifestations of his presence. Elijah instead heard God speak through a still, small, whispered voice. And God told the prophet, who had lived such a dramatic life, that the normal way that he speaks to people is the way that he was speaking to him that day. I speak through a whisper, Elijah. I speak through a still, small voice voice. And then God told him, I'm not finished with you yet, Elijah. I've got more for you to do. And God gave Elijah another 10 plus years. Elijah left Mount Sinai and he went at God's command to the wilderness at Damascus. And there he spotted a young man whose name was Elisha plowing in a field. Now the name Elisha means God is salvation. Elijah walked out to this young man in the field and he took off his mantle or cloak and the mantle, you remember, was a sign of his office, a sign of being a prophet and he went out to Elisha where he was in the field where he's sweating and he's plowing with his oxen and Elijah put this mantle over Elisha's shoulders indicating that God was calling him into the ministry of being a prophet. God was calling Elisha to be Elijah's successor. God was calling Elisha to spend the next several years with Elijah, much like a son would learn from his father. And then Elijah took the mantle off again, and he put it back on, and Elisha killed some oxen, and he offered a sacrifice there to the Lord. And for the next 10 years, he followed Elijah everywhere he went. The two of them were together all the time. Now today I want us to focus just on the last 24 hours in the life of Elijah. It's really interesting, I dare say, that you've heard pressed, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who finished their journey 
uh, of life in the way that Elijah did. Evidently, Elijah knew that he was not going to die, but he was going to be taken up into heaven. And evidently, Elisha knew that also, as did those in the school of the prophets. How they knew that, I have no idea. But it is implied in this chapter. Elijah knew that he wouldn't die, that he would be the only the second person in all of history who would not die a natural death. The other man was a man by the name of Enoch, whom the Bible says walked with God. And he didn't die in the natural way because God took him. Now I picture in my mind Enoch, this man of God, who walked close with God all of his life, and they walked a long way together day after day, and suddenly they walked so far that God said, Enoch, it's closer to my home than it is to yours. Why don't you just walk home with me? And so Enoch walked home with God, we are told. We see this same kind of thing happen with Elijah. He knew that he would be taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. Now, the final day of Elijah's life involved four well-known areas of Israel, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and the River Jordan. All were in the area where the Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea, not far from where Jesus was baptized. And these little communities were about 5 to 15 miles apart. So here is Elijah on the last day of his life with Elisha at his side, and he's visiting Gilgal first. Now you might remember that Gilgal is the place where it all started when Joshua brought the children of Israel across, uh, out, uh, across the Jordan River. They marshaled their troops at Gilgal. That was the place of their beginning. That's where circumcision took place. That's where the covenant of God was reinstituted. Israel operated out of Gilgal for about four years as they conquered and possessed the promised land. So when Elijah went to Gilgal, he visited the school of prophets that he perhaps had established or reestablished, that Elijah spoke to them, and here he reminded them that he, and, and he reminded Elisha as well, the heritage of God's people. He brought it all back into perspective for them at Gilgal. And this is important because it's important for us to also remember the time when we came to know Jesus Christ. You know, when we go back and remember and recall that moment in our life when we were set free, when we, when we said, I don't, I don't understand very much back then, but the reality is still there. By simple faith, I experienced a new life. So it's important that we go back in our life and into those places, those Gilgals of our life where we began to walk with Christ and remember those moments. Then they went from Gilgal, the scripture says, to a place called Bethel. Bethel means house of God. It was 15 miles away from Gilgal. Abraham, you might remember, built an altar at Bethel, and it was there that he prayed to God. In fact, everywhere Abraham went, the first thing he did was to build an altar to God and to worship. He pitched his tent there. He always took care of business with God first. And then he got on with his life. Let me ask you this this morning. What's the pattern for your life? Is God first in your life? What will people remember about you? That you're a Christian? 
that you go to church most Sundays? Will your legacy be that the worship of God came first in your life? That prayer and Bible reading were part of everyday life in your home? That you generously supported the local church with your finances and gave your time in service to others? Elijah said to Elisha, remember, it's important to be a man of prayer. He said, I learned through the events of my life how to be obedient, to live one day at a time. I learned how to be totally dependent on God. These are the lessons God taught Elijah and lessons that we too must learn. But more than that, Elijah was leaving this heritage to Elisha, making sure that he understood that. So they left Bethel and went on then to Jericho. Remember Jericho? That's the place where the great battle took place. That's where Israel knew that they were following the Lord and Joshua led them to a great victory. What was Elijah saying to Elisha at Jericho? Well, he was saying, you're going to have some Jerichos in your life, Elijah. I had a battle with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. It was a battle with evil. And he said, you too are going to have some battles in your life. There will be some Jerichos. And you have to learn to trust in God. And then the scripture says they finally, the last place is they crossed over the Jordan River. And here Elisha was taught another lesson. Elisha, in your life you're going to have to learn how to die to yourself before you can ever really live and serve the Lord. Don't go through life trying to hold on to everything, keeping and possessing everything. You're going to have to learn to die to your own agenda, your own, and, and, and you're going to have to truly follow the agenda of the Lord. Now, are you starting to get a picture of the last 24 hours in the life of this man of God, the great prophet Elijah? It was fabulous, wasn't it? He took Elisha to Gilgal to help him to remember the beginnings of God's people. He took him to Bethel uh, to teach him how to worship and pray. Jericho reminded him uh, that there were going to be times of conflict. There were going to be battles with evil in his life. And then Jordan was the reminder that we don't really possess anything. All we have belongs to God. I want you to notice something that I did not read to you. Something that happened all the way through this tour of the four cities. Elijah said to Elisha in verse 2, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. In other words, Elijah said, Elisha, you can stay here. At each stop, he said, you can stay here. You don't have to go any farther. And he said the same thing to him when they were at Bethel, and he said the same thing to him again when they were at Jericho, and the same thing all the way through. Why? I think Elijah was saying to Elisha, how far are you willing to go to stick with me? How far are you willing to go to be my successor? How far are you going to reach in your prophetic ministry? And every time Elisha answered and he said, Wherever you go, Elijah, I'm with you. You see, it was a test. Was Elisha truly ready to serve the Lord and follow his mentor? One of the lessons I've learned over the years is that faith is more caught than taught. 
It's modeled. It's something we hand down from generation to generation. It's part of our legacy. It's a heritage that we leave for those who follow us. Notice the next part of this story because this is key. When they reached their last stop and crossed over the Jordan River, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And in other words, whatever you, whatever you want, just ask for it now. And remember what Elisha said? Please, let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Now that's, that's really something. Elijah was a giant in serving the Lord. And now this upstart, young prophet Elisha says, hey, I want to be double what you are. I want to be double what, have double what you have. And I think the request of Elisha even shocked Elijah a little bit because look at how Elijah responds. He said, you have asked a very hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. And if, for, if not, it shall not be so. He's saying, son, I can't grant your request. God will have to do that. But if you are there when I'm taken up into heaven, then you will be a double-portioned man. You'll have twice whatever I had. So now they're walking together, and as they're going along talking, there appears a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And he saw Elijah no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes, and he tore them in pieces. Can you imagine this dramatic scene? Let me tell you that an important truth. When a man or woman of God dies, nothing of God dies. Did you get that? When a man or woman of God dies, nothing of God dies. God leaves behind through his servants a heritage, a lineage that I trust has been built into those who have lived in your home, who have worked for you, who work with you, uh, people you've known. Many of us have Elijah's in our life or even Elisha's in our life. And we're so, exa- uh, so thankful for the example of faith that has been given to us. What a heritage that Elijah left to Elisha. There are two things primarily. The mantle, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And then secondly, it says, we, he returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan River, symbolically taking on the role of the prophet. Now, Elijah was gone in this whirlwind of fire. Elijah, Elisha is standing out there crying, my father, my father. But he had his mantle that was left behind. And the mantle was the symbol of the prophetic office. And at this point, Elisha has a chance, uh, or has a choice. He could have looked at that mantle and said, oh man, Elijah's no longer here, I've had enough. And he could have turned and walked away. Or he could have looked at that mantle and he could have picked it up and and said, you know, this was Elijah's mantle and now it's mine. 
but I'm going to do my own thing. I want to be my own man. I'm not going to live in this man's shadow. Or the option he chose was to pick up the mantle and just put it on. He said, my father Elijah has left this legacy for me, this calling. In other words, the mantle represented the divine call of God and the mission and the purpose that God had placed on his life. When asked the question, what is it that you want to do with your life? I think the overwhelming majority of us might say, I want to leave a legacy. I want to make the world a better place. I want to make a difference in this world. Well, one of the ways that Christ followers do that is to both model the faith for others and to leave our mark on the lives of those who follow us. Let me share a quick story with you. My uncle Howard was a pastor for over 40 years, and a very good one. But at the end of his life, he passed away from Alzheimer's in a veteran's hospital near Lexington, Kentucky. And when his son went to pick up his belongings from the room, he left the hospital that day with a small box full of the material possessions that remained. And later his son Jim told me that it hit him in that moment as he was walking out of the hospital that that was all of his earthly possessions. But what was in the box was not Howard's legacy. His legacy was the lives that he had touched, the lives that were changed as the result of his ministry during 40 plus years. And the number of people that came to know Jesus Christ because of his faithful ministry was significant. Parents, your kids will inherit your faith if you have one. They will take and hopefully build upon whatever degree of faith you have. And a vital part of your legacy is that they understand the mantle. It's important that they understand that God has a plan for every person on this earth. Have you built that into your sons and daughters and your grandchildren? Do they see it? Do they know it? Do they know that God has something unique and special for them to do? The faith that we demonstrate by our action or by our inaction will be part of our legacy. How generous we are in terms of giving our time and our energy to serve God. How generous we are in giving back to God from the financial resources that God has blessed us with. All are part of the legacy that we will leave. Let me tell you a personal story and then I'm done. My wife Jan grew up as a preacher's kid. Her father served several churches in eastern Ohio and western Pennsylvania where mostly we grew up over about a 20-year period. One of those churches in particular was a very difficult assignment. So growing up, she saw the best, and she saw at times the worst of the church. And the last person she ever wanted to marry was a future preacher. <laughs> but evidently, God has a sense of humor because she's been stuck with me for over 43 years. Now my point is this. From the day we got married, Jan and I made a commitment that we were going to try and honor God in our life together. 
as well as in raising our kids. And the example we tried to set was to be in church regularly, even when that meant saying no to some Sunday sports and other activities because their faith development was more important. It also meant giving 10% or more of our income to God through the local church. We have tried to follow that biblical standard and honor God with our resources, many times giving beyond the tithe. And God has never, ever failed to provide for all of our needs, just as he promised. But we've also tried to demonstrate how serving God is a priority in in the life of every Christ follower. When we started our kids out young, they, they folded bulletins and newsletters, and they went with me to deliver food from our food pantry to families in need, and they've cleaned the church, and they've helped on work days They learned to be involved in the life of the church, and we certainly didn't do everything right as parents. But today, as adults with their own families, our kids are all still involved in the life of the church. Do your family, do your friends understand how you love God? Do they see your faith as something that's vital? Does it affect everything that you do, everywhere you go? What is the heritage that you are passing on to the people around you? What will be your legacy? Let's pray. Gracious God, we want to leave a lasting legacy. We want to invest our lives in a way that will make a difference. Father, we ask that uh, you not allow us to cling to what is comfortable. Keep us from shrinking back from the challenge, from the opportunities that you have placed before us. We want to let go of all that will hold us back. So God, lead us and use us to make an impact for the kingdom, for your glory, and for the good of many, many people. And we pray that all in Jesus' name.